Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 401k podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about Plan Sponsor's Guide to Hiring a Financial Advisor, stuff that I see in the business over the last 24 years and whatnot. And um, But of course, first things first, uh, that 401k conference, we got our national virtual event at the end of January. Go to that 401k site.com for further information. Uh, what are we at? $2 and... 23 cents I think it is to be a part of it and be a uh, attendee uh, if you want to participate as a you know sponsor whatnot uh, I think the top rate is 750 bucks we have people signing up left and right and then of course live events still plotting out 2023 as we speak May the third we will be in Detroit that we know of looks like we're gonna book May 19th for uh, Arlington, Texas, at the new Ranger Stadium, which I think is not fairly new anymore. I think it's its third; it's, it's going to be its fourth season coming up in 2023. For me, it's new because when we did the event in Arlington, across the street at AT&T Stadium, we saw the new stadium being built, and within a day or two, there was a fire there that we didn't cause. But um, you know, but we're looking at that probably uh, still looking at Milwaukee maybe for September, and we'll see um, about other events. I know Larry is working with me on two other events uh, that we'll talk about. Hopefully, that we book one in the New York area. It's been a while since we've been in New York. New York, obviously, my hometown, where we get the big, biggest crowd. Um, there's one venue that we haven't been to that hopefully we will be in 2023. Didn't really pan out for 2022 thanks to the lockout, so we'll see what happens. Go to that 4 site.com for further information on all our live events. Um, Detroit will be up soon, I think, for sign-up and whatnot, trying to get sponsors and all that kind of stuff, so we're working on that. And... Um, when it comes to hiring a financial advisor, um, a lot of things that obviously plan sponsors don't really know about. Um, I think the, you know, next to, again, with all due respect to financial advisors, obviously, I, and, and arrest attorneys and auditors and whatnot, I still think that the most important plan provider is TPA. I think the second most important is the financial advisor. Um, financial advisors um, really do a lot of um, water carrying uh, or uh, wood carrying or whatever it is. They they do a lot more than just being a financial advisor. You know, um, typically when I was an arrest attorney for, you know, TPAs, when there was an issue, it was usually the financial advisor calling and complaining. So the financial advisor serves as an ombudsman um, for the plan sponsor. So, you know, it, it's always interesting what's what's going on, and I, I think that a financial advisor is certainly a really important plan provider. And unfortunately, thanks to uh, just like with my favorite brand of cereal, Cheerios, there's you know I, I grew up there was you know remembering this kid there were two Cheerios. There was uh, Honey Nut and regular. I would only eat regular. Thankfully, as a result, I've only had one cavity all my life. And now, if you go to Cheerios, I mean. Pretty soon, Cheerios is going to be its own little section of the grocery store. I, I don't even know how many different ones there are. And over the years, how many times um, they've tried to push one out. And a lot of times, I think the Team Cheerios one with the different kind of oats and all that kind of stuff that, that's gone well, whatnot. I, I shows you I, I don't 
haven't eaten cereal in, in a long time. But I think for first things first, I think that plant sponsors need to hire a financial advisor who actually handles retirement plans. I don't know if it goes on anymore, but one of the positive aspects of, I want to say the last, you know, 15 years, um, probably, you know, looking back to the time when I started at Meyer Suwazi and obviously being in my own practice for now 12 years, I think one of the most positive elements next to fee disclosure is, um, how do I say this nicely? Uh, the the folks who dabble in the retirement planning business, the financial advisor who dabbled, um, doesn't exist as much as they did 15 years ago. Anyway, when I say dabbler, I'm, I'm talking about the broker. Uh, I always think of this broker. I, I met him through networking, and he would always be around the networking groups. He, you know, he worked from home. He was BD was somebody I've never heard of and never heard of again. And I remember him meeting him for breakfast um, out in, I think it was like New Hyde Park or, or Albert Center or one of those little towns in Long Island. And um, I met him and he had, I think he had one plan. And it was just such a waste of my time. And I think that, you know, looking back on it, you know, those small business networkings were really a good fit. And unfortunately, I think it turned me off to all sorts of networking and going out to breakfast and meeting people just because I feel mainly people want to look at my relationships and try to sell me services to my clients. And of course, my clients are attached to financial advisors. I typically don't get a plan sponsor like right off the street that doesn't have a financial advisor. So it's just like really, you know, whatever it is. But I think that, uh, you know, again, this broker, I don't even know if he's still in business. Uh, he used to comment a lot on my LinkedIn posts and I haven't seen him around or heard, you know, it was only until I, I was looking to doing this podcast where I just thought of him and I'm like, wow, whatever happened to that guy? Um, they're just, you know, I think it's important that plan sponsors hire an advisor who actually handles retirement plans where it's a core part of their practice. They don't see it as a nuisance. And, you know, um, why would a retirement plan be a nuisance? Well, I mean, look at it. You look at uh, all the uh, work that uh, is involved with retirement plans. Um, in my opinion, advisors who work on retirement plans do more work and get paid less than an advisor who just handles, you know, IRA accounts and private money and all that kind of stuff. And it's important that a plan sponsor hires an advisor who actually knows what the heck they're doing, has more than a you know a handful of plans. It's a core per, uh, part of their practice because um, they will understand with what's going on. They will understand what a good TPA does. Uh, they just won't simply you know park it by you know a payroll company just because they hope they can get a um, you know referral from one of these payroll company TPAs and whatnot. It's important that they have a background in it, they have a willingness to learn, and they have experience. And that's what makes, to me, the best advisor for a retirement plan, somebody who actually knows what the heck they're doing. And you only know the heck they're doing based on, you know, do they have other retirement plans? And, and again, just because somebody has more plans than somebody else doesn't mean that that advisor is better. Uh, again, we ha always have the McDonald's versus Shake Shack example or In-N-Out is McDonald's because the 
you know, their size and scope around the country. Are they serving a better hamburger than Shake Shack? And the, you know, absolute answer is no. Uh, you know, the funny part of McDonald's was uh, when I was a kid, I lived behind Burger King. You know, I lived on East 96th Street in Canarsie, and Rockaway Parkway right in front of us was 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 Burger King. And, you know, the drive through went to the back, you know, went to, to one side of our street. Uh, it was closed off and whatnot, but, you know, you could smell the flame, you know, broiled burgers whenever they were cooking them. And, um, you know, as a kid, wow, um, Burger King, uh, Bur McDonald's was not near us. McDonald's was like four or five blocks down. And when you don't have a car, four or five blocks down um, at Rockaway Turnpike and uh, over there, you know, by Glenwood Road and right across the street from Homely Family Roman Catholic Church. Uh, that's far, and so when you were a kid, eating at McDonald's was a novelty, but now as an adult, every single time I got used to a product that I liked, they got rid of it. But, um, again, that's the argument. Uh, you don't have to go to the uh, McDonald's of uh, financial advisors. You know, you're better off, probably better off at Shake Shack or the In-N-Out of financial advisors. Uh, we always have that argument, what's better, Shake Shack versus uh, In-N-Out. I think, again, I like In-N-Out. More probably because of the novelty of it. Um, you know, I only can find it, you know, Texas. I think they have it in Colorado now, Nevada, Utah, I think, which I've never been to, in California. Shake Shack now, you can get it everywhere, you know. My son is the ultimate Shake Shack fan. Uh, anytime there's one close by, whatnot, he's going to want to eat there. So, you know, go to places, City Fields. We've been to the one at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, he's, he's busting my chops to go to Houston because they have one over there at Minute Maid Park and he knows exactly which venues have it and, and whatnot. So, um, that's that about hamburgers. Uh, and I can't recall last time I actually had a hamburger, but that's a whole nother story. Um, obviously find out who is backing the advisor. Uh, my joke is, is that I've always felt that Bernie Madoff ruined Ponzi schemes for everyone. Jokes aside, you know. There's still, there's still a few shady people masquerading as financial professionals right out here on Long Island. Um, we had an issue. <laughs> there was a, I think the most well-renowned uh, law firm in Long Island is Rifkin Radler. Meyer Swazi is just not anything anymore in terms of like size and uh, prestige and all that. I, I want to say Rifkin Radler's at the top. And... Um, the head firm administrator, Rick Radler, is this guy um, who used to work at Myers Swazi that I always goofed on because um, he was the law firm administrator, yet felt the need to use the marketing department for him to push out articles about law firm administration, which, again, uh, I contended never drew a dime of business. And after I started criticizing him at my law firm, those articles stopped. But anyway, um, the lawyer. There was a lawyer at the firm. He he pushed himself as the lottery lawyer. So anytime he won a big lottery, uh, he would get you as a client. He would push investments and whatnot. And um, he had financial professionals investing money, and it was all crap. It was all like a Ponzi scheme, and uh, people were criminals. Some of them were juiced in with the mob and all that stuff. And needless to say, this lottery lawyer uh, was just convicted a few months back. I don't, I don't know exactly the sentence he got. I don't know if he's been sentenced yet, but I think it's always important 
for plane sponsors to, to be smart, you know, check out, you know, whether they're actually, you know, registered, they actually have securities license, um, how many dings they have on their securities license. And, and, and needless to say, just because somebody had a ding on their, you know, complaint about their FINRA, uh, if you, you went through a FINRA broker check or, or what it, it is, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that they're, you know, the second coming of Bernie Madoff. I think a lot of financial advisors, especially if they're working at certain other firms that were pushing out annuities or um, other brokerage stuff, they might have had a complaint. It happens. But I think it's important to find out that they're actually licensed. They actually have the background. You know, again, I, I've been in this business 24 years. I came across two people who are sitting in federal prison for embezzlement. Um, Jeff Ritchie and um, uh, Matt Hutchinson, and um, I think it's important for you know plane sponsors to Google, make sure you know everybody's on the up and up. They they are who they say they are, with my a nod to my favorite Dennis Green diatribe. But I, I think it's important to be smart. Um, I just I just read um, a case. There's a woman in town who is, where I live, the most, uh, thanks to her Facebook diatribes, she's considered the most detested person in, in our entire village. Just was reading up on her. Her house was in foreclosure for about 10 years. Just reading through it, she came across somebody on Facebook who claimed that they were very good at renegotiating mortgages and whatnot. And uh, needless to say, um, the woman's out 50 grand and, and, and still lost her house. So I think it's important that you just, you know, plane sponsors be smart about things and uh, be on the up and up to make sure that they're not going to get scammed. Obviously, it's important to understand what kind of fiduciary role that uh, the advisor will be in. Obviously, we're in this whole situation with, you know, the fiduciary rule being updated and probably might be updated again. You know, what kind of capacity that they're serving. Are they a 321 or they're 338? Um, but, you know, it's interesting. While everybody has, you know, a fiduciary capacity these days, thanks to the change in the fiduciary rule, I think it's important contractually to read what's going on uh, because you'll have uh, unscrupulous advisors create things that, are, you know, are nonsense. Uh, People touting a limited scope 338 service. I don't know what that means. Um, you know, I I, I knew a, a producing TPA that was a fiduciary RAA and disclaimed any co-fiduciary capacity. <laughs> you can't claim uh, if you're an RAA. You know, by nature, you were in, in some sort of fiduciary capacity. You can't really disclaim it. I don't care what you try to do contractually. Uh, but that was back in the days before the new fiduciary rule, and it didn't matter. You, you, you couldn't disclaim it anyway. I think it's important to have an ERISA attorney review things and see everything's on the up and up and uh, make sure that the, the plant sponsor is getting the protection that they uh, contracted with. There's nothing worse to say, oh, I thought I got a 338, and it turns out, wow, they disclaim any liability as a 338. I don't know how they could get away with it. But, you know, if you don't review the contracts, it certainly increases the chances they will. Um, obviously, I think it's important to find out what the financial advisor style is. Um, you know, would a restaurant hire a cook if you didn't know what they cooked? I think it's important to understand, are they, you know, uh, are they, 
you know, in terms of pushing active investments versus passive. I think that's the big deal these days. You have very few 338 advisors that are, you know, pushing active, um, you know, active funds. But, you, you know, Lyle Himbaugh, um, one of our uh, frequent uh, speakers at that 401k conference, he's somebody who really pushes active funds and has a really great track record. And he's different than most 338s that just, you know, want to pick passive funds. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to understand their, their style and how they work with things and whatnot. You know, certain advisors don't like index funds. They like ETFs and, you know, that pre, you know, that brings up a whole host of issues, you know, determining with costs and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, you want to pick, you know, a point sponsor needs to pick somebody who's the right fit. Now, um, my son is learning golf, uh, which he's really taken to. And uh, I think it's great. Um, he could use he could use the exercise in terms of his athleticism and whatnot. Uh, just like your old dad, he's he's not athletic, but um, you know I think it's great. You know, at, at 17 years old, picking up golf rather than when I did it when I was 29. And uh, you know, Jason's a dear kid, but you know, instruction. You know, trying to reach him in instruction sometimes can be difficult. And uh, you know, I was looking for a golf instructor who, who worked with kids like Jason. And I found somebody, you know, five minutes away. Really, uh, uh, Kyle uh, is, is a golf pro by the local golf course. And he has the right temperament to work with Jason. I don't know if somebody who's older, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm north of 50 finally. I, I don't know if I would have the patience to teach Jason golf. I just think that... You, it's not an age thing, but I, I think that younger people uh, have more patience. That's how I see things. I think the older I get, the less patience I have. Uh, we can certainly feel that with the way I drive every morning around town. I think when I was in my 20s and I lived here, I was a lot more patient with the nonsense that goes on as, as I'm 50. But you need to find, you know, plane sponsors need to find somebody with, you know, right fit and uh, Jason really enjoys golf, and I don't know if he'll be uh, a great player, but he will have the skills that he will need to play later down the line that, you know, I never had, and I think that that's important. And, and again, we were very, very lucky to find out uh, somebody who was the right fit. I think it's also, uh, you know, uh, important that the plan sponsor understands how the plan advisor will handle the fiduciary process at the plan. Um I think ERISA 404C, we always talk about it. It's one of the biggest misconceptions for plan sponsors who think, hey, uh, I'll give uh, you know everybody uh, some Morningstar profiles and all that kind of stuff and you know that kind of nonsense, and I'm going to be uh, limited from liability because these plan participants are making all the investments, and you know you have to break it to these folks. Uh, you're still liable if you don't do anything, and I think that's important aspect of it and uh, therefore um, I think it's important to understand how the advisor works and you know developing an IPS and educating plan participants obviously an advisor who doesn't want to show up every now and then to educate plan participants isn't really a good fit doesn't really help a plan sponsor mitigate the potential liability of participant direction direct investments and whatnot and I think it's an advisor who doesn't understand ERISA 404c and that, uh, as I always say, it's not a suicide pact. Um, there are things that certainly could go wrong. And I think it's important uh, 
to see what the proposed fees will be, how the advisor will be compensated, are there 12B1 fees, or, you know, what exactly, um, what exactly is the plan sponsor paying? What does the advisor want? And, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, I knew an RA firm, you know, that I no longer work with, um, that, you know, was getting 7,500 basis points. Are they doing that now? I have no idea. Uh, I don't hear much about them anymore and whatnot. So if they're still getting 75 to 100 basis points, they're, they're making a mint uh, that no advisor is currently making for you know those kind of plans. And we're not talking about micro plans that have no assets. We're talking about you know good sized plans. And I think it's important to understand um, that uh, you know plan sponsors have to pick. Advisor that's only going to charge reasonable plan expenses. So the guy, you know, on Long Island who was charged 100 basis points in this day and age is just too expensive. Whether he's charging it or not, I have no idea. It's not, again, wasn't advisor that I ever came across anymore. And last but not least, I think it's important for plan sponsors to, you know, adequately review their advisor, see if it's still working for them. Um, Make sure that the advisor is doing their job, getting paid correctly, the right fee. I always tell this story. Uh, I still can't believe it years ago. Again, this is always me uh, telling you horror stories, but I was a 316 administrator of a plan. And I did not get payment of fees from the TPA, but one quarter the TPA overpaid me, like really overpaid me. And, uh, like a smart person, I put that money in my escrow account and had it sit there and waited for the TPA to contact me because it just didn't make any sense. And obviously the TPA realized their mistake. I returned the money, no problem. Um, the plan sponsor later moves to another TPA and that TPA service at 316, so I, my services were no longer needed. And then I hear back from the advisor, and the advisor is telling me uh, that he left his firm, and his old firm, instead of being paid every quarter, their quarterly fee, they were paid their annual fee every quarter, which means they were receiving four times the amount of money that they were supposed to. You know, instead of, you know, getting 25 basis points per quarter. They were getting 25 basis points as an annual fee, but paid quarterly. So they, again, they were getting paid four times more than they were supposed to. The best part of it was the advisor wanted me to pay for the error. And I, I was I was incredulous. I'm like, we can easily rectify the situation. Your old RIA firm could return the excess fee that uh, they, they, they received. Uh, you know, you can't, there's a theory, legal theory of unjust enrichment, you know, just because somebody overpays you doesn't mean you don't have to return the money back. I always like when people do that. They think they got some sort of windfall. And uh, recently I, I got what I think is a windfall from uh, a place that I sell baseball cards through. It's an auction house. I think I was overpaid $2,000. I don't know. I'm not hundred percent sure. My records show that that happened. So I put that money away to the side. I don't spend it because maybe one day soon they'll ask for the $2,000 back. Uh, they seem to think that I was paid what I was entitled to. 
So again, the advisor is telling me, hey, you know, Ari, you, you didn't see what the fees were being paid. You should pay for this mistake. And I said, excuse me, <laughs> you should have your old RIA firm return the fee. They're not supposed to get that money. Um, and, I, and I said, you know, that's the way to the solution. So I thought that was the end of it. Instead, uh, the advisor cajoled the client to contact me to fix this and pay for this error. And I said to the plan sponsor, I said, okay, um, this RA firm, I, I don't care what the arrangement was with the advisor. Uh, they were supposed to collect a quarterly fee. They were paid an annual fee quarterly. They need to return that money. Um, and as a as, as the as the advisory firm and the plan sponsor are fiduciaries, they cannot pay excessive fees uh, to anyone. And it was incorrect for the advisor as a fiduciary to take plan assets that they were not entitled to. And I said, if I don't hear back from you by the end of Friday, I'm going to refer this matter to the Department of Labor. Uh, needless to say, a day or two before my deadline, um, I heard, um, you know, back and the advisory firm was going to return the fee. And so that's a situation, again, it's a crazy situation that I've always talked about. Um, but this stuff goes on, um, and you'll be surprised. Uh, it doesn't happen as often as you think, um, but it happens. Uh, you know, uh, there are bad advisors out there. There are bad attorneys out there. Believe me, I know. I've networked with them. <laughs> I've seen their work. I'm not talking about ERISA attorneys. I'm just talking regular attorneys. I haven't seen an ERISA attorney that was uh, that bad. Actually, I think I did once. Uh, I think I replaced them at, uh, at Geller, but uh, that's a whole other story. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the 400K Podcast. Uh, uh, I forgot to record it on a Tuesday. We're recording this on a Wednesday, but thankfully it will be up and running on Friday morning. So uh, at least that uh, that went well. But anyway, uh, go to that 400KSite.com for further information on all our live events. Detroit, Arlington will be booked soon. Probably Milwaukee, and we'll see. Still talking to Oakland, trying to get an Oakland event in for April, and there are two wild cards that we talked about that Larry hopefully will book for us. So I think we may actually have five events this year. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But anyway, hope you enjoyed this episode again, and uh, tune in next week for another episode of that 401k podcast. Thanks. Bye.